Welcome to the 1844 Podcast. My name is Tim Lowell, I'm your host, and this week we have a guest. It's Gautam Govitrakar. Gautam, um, please yes, introduce I... yourself and uh, tell us where you're from and give us a little bit of background and then we'll move into segment one. Hi, Tim. Uh, thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, uh, I think this is going to be a great one. Um, as, as I've always said, an amateur version for the true cricket lover. So uh, I am basically born and raised in India. I'm a dentist by qualification. I actually spent the last 13 years of my life in the United States uh, studying to become a dentist in the U.S. and practicing as a dentist in Philadelphia and then in New Jersey. And as of November, my wife, who also actually followed the same career path, and our two kids have moved back to India to be close to family. Um, so that's uh, a little bit about myself. So I am loving being back home, close to parents, close to family, close to my in-laws, everyone. But I miss the United States a lot. All right. Yeah, uh, that's fantastic. I, I didn't realize you were from Philadelphia before we talked earlier uh, on WhatsApp. I didn't know that you were in Philadelphia. I, I spent about eight years in that area. Oh, so, wow. Uh, I, I, I consider that to be my American hometown. Oh, oh, great. Yeah. So what part of Philadelphia were you were you in? Well, I studied at uh, UPenn, so I lived okay. on campus, and then actually, uh, very interestingly, I lived in what used to be the graduate hospital. Uh, they converted, they sold off one of the buildings when Penn took over, and they made it into uh, very beautiful apartments, and uh, I lived on the seventh floor, and I had the most beautiful view of uh, Rittenhouse Square from my uh, oh, apartment. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah, we lived in the suburbs, my wife and I, so we didn't get into the city very often, but... Uh, we, we did go down and do some volunteer work at uh, Drexel, which is not that far away. So. Oh, yeah, very close. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. So let's get into segment one. And for anybody who listened to this last week, all you know, three of you, <laughs> um, segment one is where we uh, invite the guests to tell us about their uh, relationship with cricket, how they got into it, and also how they got into uh, watching other sports, the U.S. sports, and how that all fits in and just, uh, you know, let us know how you got into cricket and how you also started watching all the other sports. So go ahead. Um, well, as, as a male uh, born in India pre 2000, you get into cricket when you're born in India. Sure. Sure. There, there is no choice. So, <laughs> but, but, the, but the story that I love, which my dad always tells me is that when I was two years old, I made him get up uh, at midnight one day and play cricket with me for two hours. And being the great dad that he is, he actually obliged. <laughs> so I guess I got, got into cricket really early, even earlier than the average Indian kid. Um, for those who don't know, cricket's a, a, a religion in India. There's sure. cricket on one side and then there's life on the other side, not just <laughs> work or not just films, not just character. The, the whole life comes mm -hmm. to a standstill. Um, so, you know, growing up, I would play what is called as gully cricket. Gully means lane. Uh, everyone in India lives in the cities, unlike the U.S. And so we play uh, in the lane or on the open areas in the buildings. And uh -huh. it's uh, it can get very competitive. And a lot of the international cricketers speak about the training they received at the gully cricket level. Um, I actually at one point considered uh, attempting to become a professional cricketer. But back then, you know, there was no IPL and money was just not there. So I, my, my dad always says, 
either you will become an international cricketer and I can retire at 50 or you will not do anything and I'll have to work till I'm 100. So I decided not to take that career yeah. path. Um, and, and, you know, like every kid, you play cricket, you uh, watch cricket. You We didn't go to a lot of games because I lived in a town where there weren't too many international games. But every time uh, cricket was being shown on the telly, it was on and uh, all rules were cast aside. Uh, my, my family is a big sports lover and so am I. And so I remember in 1996 when Michael Jordan was winning his third NBA championship, I, mm-hmm. I would get up at 4.30 in the morning to uh, get ready for school and then watch the games from 5 to 8 and then rush to school. And my mom <laughs> could never understand how I would get up at 4.30 to watch, you know, grown men behave <laughs> silly behind a basketball, but not to uh, study for a test. Um <laughs> And then, you know, I played tennis all of my life, so I was, a, I was a big tennis fan. Then I came to the U.S. Uh, okay. When you come to Philadelphia, you will, you will agree with me that yes. you, the religion there is the Philadelphia Eagles. You cannot yes. escape that. And uh, in, in, in my 13 years of living in America, uh, somebody asked me, what is the happiest moment in the 13 years that you lived there? And without even batting an eyelid, I said, when my Eagles won the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> And, and and they just didn't understand it. They were visiting from India, so they didn't get it. But they, uh, it's true. It was, it was uh, uh, as my six-year-old daughter says, Dad, that's the only time I've seen you jump on the sofa, something that you don't allow me to do. So, <laughs> you know, that's how I started getting into American football when I was uh, studying at the dental school at uh, the University of Pennsylvania. And I, I actually came to the U.S., um, right after the 2005 Super Bowl. So, you know, it was hot. Mm-hmm. But then what it also did was, uh, that was, uh, by the time I graduated, that's when the Philly started getting hot. And, right. um, you know, I, I, I lived in Philly from 2005 to 2013. And I mm-hmm. think that was like the golden era of uh, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. So it became yeah. very easy to, to get into that. I remember I used to call on the local radio show and uh, when Cliff Lee signed back again with uh-huh. the Phillies after Roy Halliday and Oswald had already done, I, I remember uh-huh. calling the radio station at one o'clock in the morning. That's how excited <laughs> I was. Um, so sports has always uh, you know, been a part of my life. It always will remain a part of my life. And then uh, funnily, I used to, I, I never stopped watching cricket. A lot of uh, uh, people you know, lose track, but I, I never did. I would stay up all sure. night. I think I must have uh, burned a couple of compu- laptops with the uh, illegal mm-hmm. cricket streaming websites. Sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, you know, uh, that, that wasn't fun until uh, Willow came around and then uh, just before I left, Hotstar came around. So, yeah. you know, following sports was easy. And then I, I come, came back to India in November mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the World Cup was there and the IPL was there. But I'll mm-hmm. tell you a real quick funny story about uh, the Cricket yes. World Cup. Um, okay. In 2011, you know, when, when India was playing in uh, Sri Lanka, it was uh, 4.30 Eastern Standard Time when the game was about to start. And I uh, remember Kirna Nog in Philadelphia, uh, an Irish uh, pub, was mm-hmm. showing the game live. And <laughs> I, I go down at 4 o'clock and hail a cab and I say, take me to Kirna Nog. He goes, sir, I think you've had too much to drink because 4 <laughs> o'clock in the morning is when I take people the other way around. I'm like, believe me, <laughs> just take me there. And I, I think there must have been easily like 250 to 300 people there uh, at, at uh, 4.30 in the morning 
to watch oh. the cricket game. It was and and the the atmosphere was. We stayed there the whole time, and um, the atmosphere was electric. And then we went to Rittenhouse Square. I remember uh, it was wonderful. I felt like I was back home. So yeah. uh, you know that was uh, that's how cricket and football and baseball have always been a part of my life, and uh, it made my stay in America very very memorable. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta go back. Uh, you know, you said the the moment about um, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. You know, I've been a New England. I'm sitting here in my uh, my room here. Oh, did I'm, I just burn you? Reporting, yeah. When I'm doing this podcast, I have this giant Patriots rug on the floor. I have a Patriots banner on the wall. My wife painted the room in Patriots blue. <laughs> so, so that was not a very good night for me. But, uh, but you I know, don't know. That, I, yeah, your team, your team is great, but somehow uh, I think when it comes to the Super Bowl and the NFC yeah. East, they just don't know how to play. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that was a fantastic night for them. I, I really, having lived there for eight years, I mean, you get you get the Eagles. You know, it, it, they're they're always around, and you always hear about them. And I, you know, I, I followed them when I wasn't watching the Patriots. I would follow the Eagles and see what they were doing. So I, I was kind of happy for them, actually, when they won the Super Bowl, even though it was against the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots yeah, I mean, had come on. I, come on, man. You've got like, yeah. what, 20, yeah, five. 20, 23 I, in the last uh, five years, right? So. Right. I, I had, uh, you know, we had five Super Bowls already by that point. So then yeah, got you the, can throw one our way. Got the sixth one last year. <laughs> so how good okay. is Tom Brady, right? How, yeah, how good is yeah, Tom he's, Brady? He's so good. <laughs> I, mean, I just saw know, a picture. You know, I just saw a picture on Instagram of his son, and his son looks exactly like him. Yeah. So I mean, uh, people so talk about out. MS. M- yeah, people talk about MS Dhoni's fitness, and I'm like, you know what, guys? There's a guy named Tom Brady in America yeah. who's playing. Uh, uh, he, he's getting hit every single day, and he is far, far fitter than any of these guys. <laughs> uh, At 42, yeah, mind you. Yeah, the championships are amazing. I mean, it's just, no one, no one's going to match that. No, I, I don't see. I mean, six championships for one guy is just incredible. No chance. And, and you were talking about the Phillies too. I was actually a Phillies fan for a while there. Uh, uh-huh. You know, back in the day, I mean, it, you, you didn't have the internet, so or even you know, even when you had the internet, uh, it wasn't easy to follow any other team. So I just started following the Phillies when I was. What in year was this? Uh, we moved in '98, and then we left in 2000. Um, Six. Okay. All right. So, yes. so you know, I'll, I'll I'll tell you a real quick funny story about that. Okay. When when I um, uh, the the whole concept of talk show radio is very foreign to was very sure. foreign to me coming from India. And sure. then I knew very little about baseball. And then once Mike Missinelli announces, he goes, "Well, you know, we're going to start this special show uh, in, in the evenings uh, at six o'clock, talk, talking baseball with Dutch, you know, Darren Dalton." Okay. And Dalton, I started. Yeah. Yeah, I started calling in and we actually became very good friends to the point where, <laughs> you know, I would call him like once a week. And if I didn't call him, he would he would get upset with me. And um, uh, he, he, he actually came to me as a patient one day. He, he wow. uh, yeah, he, he called me and I thought it was somebody just playing the, you know, prank yeah. on me. I said, whoever <laughs> this is, you, you need to stop because no, Gotham, this is Darren Dalton. I, I really need to come and see you. So, um, you know, I had, I had fun. Um, and it was actually funny because uh, we were at a club one day and my wife called out my name and there was this yeah. bunch of uh, guys standing next to me and they go, wait, are you the guy who calls the Mike Missinelli show? You know, <laughs> I was the only Indian guy calling uh, a sure, radio show. Sure. And uh, my wife my wife used to just crack off. She goes, you're like a mini celebrity here. But it was, it was fun. Those were, those were very memorable days. All right. That's fantastic. I mean, yeah. 
I mean, I, I never really called those shows. I never had the, the nerve to call up one of those shows. I just never. Well, actually, the, re- the way I got calling those shows is Mike Wisnelli once said, cricket is stupid. And I got upset. Oh, and I called oh him yeah. And I, and That'll I, do it. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I started yelling at him and, and he hung up on me. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but then, you know, he and I also developed a very good relationship. But he would still, till day, he still says, oh, cricket is stupid. And I'm like, all right, you, never mind. You have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. Okay, I think we need to get into segment two. We're we're running a little bit over time, but not too bad. We're doing good. We're doing good on time. Okay, so remember from from last week, again, again, not many of you know this, but uh, segment two is that we're going to talk about the events of the day and or things that are coming up that we were looking forward to. So um, I know you want to talk about Jaffa Archer. Uh, First, I want to get your, your take on the World Cup final because... You know, Archer did play in the World Cup final, so we can sort of transition from the final to what what Archer did with the Ashes. So, so what what was your take on the uh, the World Cup final? Well, well, what a what a what a game! Um, yes. you know what a game. England uh, really deserved it because they really, really. I remember after the 2015 loss to Bangladesh, um, they changed uh, everything about their ODI team. And, you know, it was four years of solid planning, good execution, choosing the right players. So they truly deserve to win. On the other hand, you have New Zealand, which I think is the classiest and the nicest team in world cricket from day one. And they just somehow cannot cross that hump when it comes to the World Cup. I I read somewhere they have won the second most matches in World Cup cricket compared to (laughs) Australia. And, you know, they don't have too much to show for it. They... 1992, they run into Inzi, and then now this. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, overthrow where the ball hit uh, Ben Stokes' arm and it was given a, a boundary, uh-huh, uh-huh. I think I think people are being unfair to the umpire. Uh, you know, there's so much going on. There's, it was so stressful. He's trying to uh, see whether there's a run out. You can't really expect an umpire to look oh, no. behind and check what time was the ball thrown and had the players crossed right. each other. Right, so, right. you know, that was just destiny. And uh, how classy is Kane <laughs> Williamson, right? Um, oh, yeah, he's the best. And, and, then, you go, and then you go into uh, the Super Over and, mm-hmm. and you have this 24-year-old kid who yeah. his own teammates had said, well, if you select him, it'll be disruptive to the team culture. And yeah, now he's yeah, going yeah. out and basically winning the, the final for you. I mean, it, <laughs> it, welcome. Well, talk about baptism by fire. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, I was going back to the, um, the play with, uh, with Stokes. What I didn't understand about that, and maybe you can, um, you know, having played cricket and, and, and what I didn't understand, and, and you've watched a lot more than I have, the umpires have a third umpire who looks at the video replays. Correct. Now, when I was watching it and I was listening to the announcers, at no point did I ever hear them say that they had consulted the video umpire. So I think there are uh, there are certain plays that can only be reviewed by the third umpire, and I think uh-huh, that right, one right. cannot That's what I was confused it's, about. Yeah. Right, it's like um, um, uh, like a pass interference in American football. I right, don't think right. you can review it. So I think right. to keep it l- sane, because otherwise, you know, those matches are going to go on for five. Like an ODI match is going to go on for five days if sure. they start reviewing everything. So I think that was the issue, and you can't make a, a difference unless it's pre-agreed, uh, just because it's a World Cup final. Right, right. Okay, so that's that's kind of what I thought, but boy, you know, I I would think, just you know, 
that kind of a play, well, I mean, you know, it just never happens. <laughs> That's the thing. It, nobody, you never throw the ball yeah. and have it hit the guy's bat. That just never happens. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, I mean, <laughs> exactly. So I, it was like yeah. the ultimate stage and, you know, the biggest play at the biggest stage, at the biggest yeah. moment in the match. I mean, the umpires just didn't anticipate it because it had never happened before. And they were like, I, I agree. I've never seen that. I've been watching yeah. cricket now for 30 years yeah. easily, um, and, and I have never seen anything like that. They looked at each other and said, what do we do? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I guess we give them four runs. <laughs> basically. Basically. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So um, let's talk about Archer then. So Archer, you know, we, as we said, he bowled the final over and, you know, he, he did just enough to win the, to win the World Cup. There was a tie. Uh, as yep. as all, all New Zealanders will tell you, it was a tie. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so they did just enough. So let's talk about the Ashes. So, like you said, uh, Archer uh, was chosen finally for this uh, Lord's Test, and it was uh, pretty amazing. So, uh, so talk us through from your point of view uh, what you saw and and how you reacted to it. I mean, what a what a great story! This guy doesn't get selected for the under 19s, and so yeah. you know does what every young cricketer in the world does, which is to somehow figure out a way to play for England. Uh, Kevin <laughs> Peterson. Uh, yeah. Alan Lamb, um, you know all these guys. They yeah. they they just go over um, and and try to get into the English team. And you know people make fun of the of the English uh, setup for that. But I give them credit. I mean, without with, uh, just think about it. You know, without them allowing KP to come and play for them, what a talent we would have missed that. And yeah. I feel Jofra Archer is a special talent. Uh, he, yeah. he, you know, look at the speed. My God, he bowled. Yeah. I believe the over that he bowled, where he averaged 92 miles an hour, was the fastest yeah. over in the history of English cricket. Think about yeah. it. These guys <laughs> invented the game. So, yeah, it's 150 years. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's amazing what he's doing. And then you know he, he kind of reminded me of what Mitchell Johnson did to the uh, to the English team. Uh, I want to say four years ago when he single-handedly demolished them. Uh, yeah. by just sheer pace and, and bounce. And, and this guy's doing that. Um, you know, a lot was made of uh, him not checking on Steve Smith when he hit him. Um, right. but, but I read an in, uh, interview by Ian Chappell where he said, anytime uh, Dennis Lilly hit a batsman, I as a captain used to tell him to go back to his mark because uh, I was worried that if he saw a batsman injured, it would actually soften him. And yeah, uh, yeah. I, I told him, we'll check on the batsman. Just make sure you go talk to him at the end of the day. So I have no problem with uh, Archer um, not, you know, not overtly checking on Steve Smith. But then he comes and hits the substitute on the end. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm like, wow, now what happens? So I, I just hope, you know, I, I, uh, I, India used to have all these uh, fast bowling talents come through. Uh -huh. And then within a couple of years, they were, you know, medium pace at best. And within five years, they would be gone. Uh, they, mm -hmm. They're doing a much better job of, you know, protecting their uh, players now. And I, I think English cricket needs to do that with Joe Archer because uh, with the amount of cricket that he is likely to play, you know, he, he might be done in uh, six or seven years. He's only 24. But right. what a talent. What a talent. He's uh, yeah. he, he's just, you know, he, that's what made, I, 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 I was messaging uh, a bunch of uh, friends of mine. I said, I'll take this Ashes test match 
over the IPL and the World Cup put together. That's how amazing it was. And yeah, I wish they. I mean, I I wish England had won it because they deserve to. What a what a turnaround. Um, yeah. And then real quick, slight deviation. But how good is Ben Stokes? I think he's the best all rounder in Test yeah. cricket today. Yeah, I mean, this particular, I mean, the last six months, he's just been unbelievable. I mean, he's just been fantastic. He's, you know, he yep. can do everything. He can, I mean, he does everything extremely well. Yeah, <laughs> not and, just and he yes, yes, he bats, bowls, and fields well. Exactly. Right, right. He, I mean, yeah. the fielding. I mean, that one, the game, the first game of the World Cup. He made the, My God, what a catch, what a catch. They were saying was the best catch of all time. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> Probably uh, arguable, but, you know, still. Um, yeah. Just amazing. And then, you know, as far as Archer, I mean, I mean, what I'm seeing is, you know, um, he just uh, to to come into the side like that, and there was like you said, there was all this. Uh, you know, oh, he's going to be bad for the side. He's going to, you know, and then he just he doesn't seem to care. <laughs> he just he just takes the ball. He has this nice gentle run up. He doesn't really you know seem to be putting a lot of effort into it. And then he fires it in there at ninety three miles an hour. <laughs> and you know, he and he's doing what he has to do. I mean, Smith is sitting there. He's He's just ungetoutable. You can't get the guy out. Yes, I mean, yes. Everybody, everybody. I mean, there, apparently there was a, a PA announcement on one of the the tube uh, stations. If you know how to get Steve Smith out, please see the the man. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, so he comes in there and he's you know he he does what he has to do. I mean, that's what you have to do in cricket. You can't be intimidated by a guy. You can't uh, you know just say okay, I'm just going to bowl it wherever he wants to hit it. Uh, I mean, you gotta you gotta challenge him, and that's what he did. And unfortunately, it hit him in the neck. I mean, you didn't want that to happen, but I mean, you have to you have to challenge a guy like Smith, or you know, he's gonna be up there forever. He's just gonna beat you every time. So I I agree, and and you know yeah. what, I I I feel uh, you know he's he, uh, he's a West Indian fast bowler, and think about the fact that you know Clive Lloyd had four of them going at full pace. When there were no limitations on bouncers, no no right. balls, uh, right. and the and the pitches were much more treacherous, and uh, that's where you know Sunil Gavaskar stood and scored all these runs against them, and and that's why I consider him to be the greatest batsman because you know the the Eng- Australian team didn't know how to face uh, a 24 year Test debutant, and yeah. here you had this guy standing up to four seasoned pacemen. Um, yeah. Just just tells you how good. Uh, the the bowling attack must have been, but how good the a batsman Gavaskar was. But to come back to Archer, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the way to do it. I'm going to bounce it. If you have a problem, you know, yeah. if you can't way. stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, just incredible. Before we stop uh, talking about uh, the second topic, uh, you wanted to talk about a, a U.S. cricket player that was from your hometown. So please tell us about that. Well, one day I, you know, ESPN Crick Info was the first thing that I checked on my on my iPhone whenever I got up for the last few years, and the headline said uh, Nardkarni to lead America in in cricket, uh, and and I just found it very hilarious because uh, that is a, a surname last name that comes from the part of India that I hail. So I started okay. reading about it, and it's about Sushil Nardkarni who grew up in Pune, the town that I grew up in, and I'm now based in again, um, and played for the under-19 Indian cricket team, uh, facing Brett Lee, if I'm not mistaken. But then eventually, you know, academics uh, superseded cricket. So he he did his engineering here, came to the U.S. for his master's, started playing club cricket on the weekend, got uh, into it, and eventually 
was not only playing but went on to lead uh, America, I believe, mm-hmm. in the World Cup qualifiers four years ago. And right. um, I had the chance to to chat with him uh, because I, I, I was going to start writing a, a blog on cricket just for fun. And um, I actually interviewed him uh, because I thought it was fascinating that here was a young guy who tried to play cricket for his country of birth. It didn't work out. Now in his new home, He's actually living the dream of not just playing, but captaining his yeah. uh, his new home country. Um, and and at the same time, uh, Ashish Bagai, who also was born and raised in India, but as a teenager moved to Canada, had just captained uh, Canada in their World Cup that was played in India in 2011. So I mm-hmm. interviewed him also for my blog. But I thought it was uh, Sushil is doing a great job in the Houston area. I believe they've set up an indoor cricket baseball academy, uh, and they're doing a terrific job trying to grow cricket at the grassroots level. Yeah, I heard about that. I was actually out, out at the Musa Stadium here, and uh, which is nearby in Pearland, and they were. Uh, I was. I spoke to somebody who was uh, working on that same project. So, uh, yeah, the thing about that one is it's across town for me, and I have a hard time getting there. It takes. It takes. Oh, I'm sure. To, to drive in, you. I don't know. You, you drove in Philadelphia. You, it's even. It's like ten times worse than used to <laughs> to drive anywhere. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's just the traffic is terrible. And uh, yeah. you have to go through. You have to go through or around the downtown to get to Katy, where the. I'm, I'm going to go out there eventually. I'm going to go out there eventually you, and check it out. But you know. Yeah, probably. you're going to have to. You, you should do what you should do. You should do what Kobe used to do in in L.A. Is he yeah. he hated the uh, uh, downtown traffic, so he uh, would have a helicopter take him from yeah. his residence what to I the say. Uh, I my, Staples yeah. Center. I tell my wife all the time we should get a helicopter. <laughs> I, I, the, the, way, the way the the way traffic is going everywhere, I think yeah, everyone's going to start needing a, a personal helicopter pretty soon. Yep, yep, that's right. Okay, yep. I think we're doing good on time. So let's move on to yeah. segment three. In segment three, uh, we, we want to talk about, I'm going to throw out a topic and you're going to tell me how you think it compares to uh, the U.S. sports. So you're familiar with baseball and football. You talked about Michael Jordan, so you know basketball. So let's, yep. let's talk about... Uh, uh, how uh, something in cricket compares to U.S. sports. And I know the topic you wanted to talk about was the IPL and the franchises. So, I mean, in, in, for years and years and decades and centuries, cricket did not have franchises. You had the, 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 the countries and you had the counties in the, in the states in, the, in India. But there was no, none of these city franchises where, you know, they had, uh, you know, like the Philadelphia Phillies. It wasn't like that. So, uh, so talk about how the IPL is kind of changing the the face of cricket to make it more like the U.S. franchises. Well, well, it's 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 very simple, and mm-hmm. uh, the, the best example I can give you is um, the, till this World Cup, whenever any player came on that you know we we didn't know very well or was relatively new. It was like, oh wow, where's this guy from? Oh, he's from Australia. Oh, he's from New Zealand. Now mm-hmm. it goes. Oh, whom does he play for? And the answer is Rajasthan Royals, Mumbai Indians, Chennai Super Kings. For the first time, players were being identified, at least in my social circle, but and I'm sure it's pretty much valid universally, by the IPL team that they play for. And that to me was a huge change because that has never happened before. And you'll have all these uh, ice hockey players coming from Russia, coming from Canada, 
and they are identified more uh, by which NHL team play, they play for. You have all these guys coming from Latin America playing baseball. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know till the World Cup uh, baseball World Championships were played that half of them were not from America. I just identified <laughs> them as coming yeah. from uh, yeah. this team and and yeah. that franchise and that sure, franchise. Sure. You know, right. so yeah. it, I I it was it really struck me how. The, the franchisization, I guess, if you can call it, of world cricket has, has almost taken a turn like the American pro sports have. Um, and, and I think it, I personally think it's great because I can tell you it has made cricket a very viable cricket uh, prof- option uh, for young kids as a profession. As right. I told you, when I was growing up, uh, you either were you know, a successful international cricketer and very rich or you were very poor. Because there yeah. was just no money in in domestic cricket, and mm-hmm. now what it, what it has done is not only can you qualify for an ITL contract, but there are sub leagues. So there's a league that goes on at the state level. There's a there's a league that goes on in down in Tamil Nadu, which is a state mm-hmm. where the Chennai Super Kings are located. They mm-hmm. have Scott Styrus coming and comment doing commentary there amongst other people. <laughs> Think about it, you know. So yeah. uh, that, that that there's money coming in there. And it's not just about the players. It's about coaches. It's about the support staff. It's about uh, the um, uniform manufacturers. It's about the television coverage. It's just the, uh, make, providing jobs for so many people. You remember a few years ago, we had the uh, lockout for uh, the NFL. And right. I, I read somewhere the loss was something in the region of $8 billion sure. uh, just in the few weeks that the NFL was shut down. If the IPL shuts down, uh, it's going to be disastrous. And think about it. The, I think it was New Zealand. I think it was Mike Hessen who said that New Zealand is doing so much better in this World Cup compared to the previous editions because they got to play with world-class cricketers in the IPL because cricket in New Zealand is a very, very small sport, very insignificant sure. sport. Um, and I think it's great that you have all these players playing with each other um, you know, they're they're able to not just grow themselves, but they're able to help others grow. Uh, you have a youngster from my hometown, and I remember he played for the team. and And MS Dhoni was at the non-strikers end. I don't think he ever meets MS Dhoni in his lifetime unless he actually plays for India. So in that way, I feel you know it's it's very similar to American sports. Um, it's it's a franchise-based model. Uh, it, it, it brings the city together because otherwise you had it you know, at a country level. First-class cricket at the state level doesn't really elicit that much of uh, fan following because it's not glamorous enough. Um, it provides employment. It makes for exciting entertainment. You know, some people say it's not cricket, it's entertainment. And I say, mm-hmm. okay, so, so what? Uh, you know, it's, it's entertaining. And that's all we are looking for when we watch sure. cricket. So, and, and that's exactly what happens. I remember I knew what season it was based on what sport was being played. So, you know that, in, you know, come August, September, now you're starting with the, uh, with the football season. Yep. You start November, you know, it's basketball season. Uh, I, I, I always used to have on my calendar written PC. And my, my wife asked me one day, she goes, what is PC? I go, that's the day the pitchers and catchers report down <laughs> in Florida. <laughs> For yeah. the Philadelphia Phillies. She goes, you're crazy. Like, to what level are you going to take this fan following? And 
It's, uh, you know, my mom. I heard the same thing. Say, yeah, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And my mom always used to say, she goes, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing that you didn't finish. You finished not just one, but two dental degrees with the amount of time you waste. And, you know, moms and wives are always going to use the word waste on sports. Sure. And I said, well, you know, it, it's made me a better person. I, yeah. I don't think it really, you know, I don't think she bought it, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, so the IPL, I think, has made uh, world cricket almost uh, very, very similar to the American model, at least on the business front of it. So, yeah, uh, that's that's my comparison between world cricket and American sports. Now we're going to do Super Overs. Super Overs is where our guest and our host read off a pre-prepared topic. And then we'll discuss it at the end. Gautam, what's your super over? Well, my super over was uh, the, the, the 1999 semifinal between Australia and South Africa. You know, mm-hmm. South Africa have been labeled as the chokers. Yeah. But they really seemed to have their act together in that version. They had been robbed of uh, a chance to play the final in the 1992 World Cup because of the silly rain, rain rule. And, mm-hmm. you know, here they're doing great. They had preserved Alan Donald. Uh, he was, you know, firing mm-hmm. all cylinders. Um, but they ran into Australia in the semifinal, who were in the middle of just an unbelievable, or rather, it was the start of an unbelievable run because they won mm-hmm. 99, 2003, and then 2007. And uh, that was the famous, son, you just dropped the World Cup match, if I'm not mistaken, because <laughs> Steve yes. Waugh, you know, yeah. just went, he, he, uh, Herschel Gibbs, one of the, uh, some people say a better fielder than John T. Rhodes just uh-huh. tried to celebrate too soon. And uh, Steve Waugh, you know, he's just terrific. He was the master of mental toughness. And he played uh, what I consider uh, the best one-day innings ever because the stage doesn't get any bigger than that. And then mm-hmm. Shane, uh, uh, the South Africa comes to bat and they're going great guns again. And then comes the champion, you know, Shane Warne. What, mm-hmm. what a player. What a player. Uh, yep. Genius. He's nothing short of a genius. You know, mm-hmm. to, that magical ball to Mike Gatting. I think England didn't recover from that for two decades. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I can still watch him. He, he ripped one uh, pitching way outside leg and comes and hits the off stump of Herschel Gibbs. And Herschel Gibbs looked like he... Had, you know, the earth had split open uh, <laughs> and, you know, Warren basically almost took them out of the, the match till uh, the man of the series from that version, Lance Klusner. The guy had a sledgehammer for a bat. I mean, he would just stand and, and bludgeon the balls and the fielders wouldn't even move. Uh, that's how good he was. I mean, he, he, he mastered the art of the slog over... Uh, batting in that version and then uh, I, I feel that was when the choker tag was really really permanently put on South Africa because I, I the, if you if you go to YouTube and I suggest everyone yes I did I did this, do that <laughs> right uh, you know uh, but even your audience just go, go 1999 World Cup semi-final Australia versus New Zealand and they have the last two overs as a clip and yeah. he's just hammering Glenn McGrath over uh, all over the, the park. Um, mm-hmm. You don't hit Glenn McGrath all over the park the way he did. And then Dam- I think they needed 10 runs out of the last over and Damien Fleming comes in and I still remember he had this cover drive. Oh my God, nobody moved, nobody moved. The ball just <laughs> went, like as Ravi Shastri would say, like a tracer bullet. Um <laughs> 
and then he hits another one, and they now they're tied, uh, wow. as you know, yeah, the, as New Zealand likes to remind everyone. But I really don't know what they were thinking. I I personally think they just didn't communicate with each other. They had. Yeah. Yeah. There are three more deliveries left. They needed to get one run. And I think they they literally, I think the occasion got to them. They both froze. There wasn't any clarity of thought. There was absolutely no reason for for either of them to start running. Uh, and, 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 you know, as much as Australia is a champion side, uh, I think South Africa really deserved to win the World Cup that year. Because I'll be honest, I don't see them... Uh, winning the World Cup ever, uh, you know. I lived in Philadelphia as you, yeah. we just spoke, and you know Andy Reid's a great coach. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people might not like me saying this, but I just don't think he has it in him to go off the distance and win the Super Bowl. He, he towards as he he just somehow messes it up uh, towards the end. And I yeah. think, I, and unfortunately, I think the the this. South Africa is just digging themselves in a hole deeper and deeper. But this was the match where the tag really got permanently stuck to them. And uh, I don't think they're ever going to recover. Um, but what a game that was. This is just, you saw great batting. You saw great comebacks from both the sides. You saw a champion bowler. You saw a fantastic ba- all-rounder. He wasn't even known for his batting as much as he was known for his bowling at that point. You know, literally, almost single-handedly winning it. They didn't lose technically, and they only Australia only progressed because they had lost the league match against uh, South right. Africa. Had lost the league match against them, so they lost right. the tiebreaker. Uh, but that was my super over. What a game! One of the best <laughs> matches ever. Though South Africa did get their revenge when they chased 434 against Australia, but I still think they would gladly trade the the World Cup oh, semi-final yes. win for that uh, match. Yeah, what what I found interesting about that, I, I was looking at the Wikipedia page, and at the bottom of the page, they talked about how it was one of the great, like you said, one of the greatest matches ever. And once again, it was a tie. Yes. <laughs> and then I thought about the World Cup final. <laughs> the World Cup final was a tie. <laughs> so yes. the two greatest, the two greatest matches probably ever in the World Cup were ties. <laughs> nobody uh, even won. <laughs> abs- absolutely. I mean, I mean that, that's yeah. It's hard to explain to an American that the two greatest matches in the history of cricket are World Cup anyway. Well, the, the, <laughs> it, 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 at, least, at least you can explain a tie. I, I, the, my biggest nightmare in, in America used to be explaining to them why, you know, the concept of a draw after yeah. five days. And people just go crazy. They're like, you play five days. Like, how much more time do you need to have a result? Yeah, it's, it's hard. It was tough, yeah. Really What's your to topic? That. Okay, my super over this week is about Mike Young. Mike Young's an interesting character. He's the fielding coach. He still is the fielding coach. He actually had a, a break in service there for a little while, but he's still the fielding coach for the Australian cricket team. And as we know, they're playing the Ashes against England right now. And I, I was originally going to try to talk about Americans that have ever played in the Ashes. I thought that there had to be one, you know, maybe back in the 1800s. Nope, not one. <laughs> not one American-born uh, person has ever played in the Ashes. So wow. I think Mike's about as yeah, that's what's interesting. And so uh, Mike's about as close as we're going to get. Um, so he was born in Chicago in 1955. He played baseball for the University of Wisconsin River Falls when he was in college. 
Uh-huh. And after after college, he didn't make the major league, so he decided to go to the Netherlands Honkball Hoofdklasse, which is Dutch for the major leagues, and extremely wow. fun to say. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he was he was in the Netherlands for a while, and then in 1981, he went to Queensland. And there's a video clip that I'm going to play uh, that tells Mike tells his story. Not only had I never seen a cricket match, I didn't know the sport existed. I came over to run the uh, Queensland baseball team and to play, I was still playing. And then I ended up being the Olympic coach for Australia. And uh, about 20 years later, John Buchanan, he was coaching the Bulls, came to me and said, uh, have you ever seen anything in cricket that you think baseball can transfer over? And I said, I I saw a lot of things that I thought might work, but the reality was I didn't, you know, I wasn't so pretentious to say that I knew that because I didn't know all the, the intricacies of cricket. So. Uh, we met for lunch, and the one hour turned into three. I'd coached my whole life in, in bat and ball sport, and the, the sports are very similar in many ways. Uh, the greatest part of that clip is uh, the knowledge I now have that every day in practice, if the Aussies use bad technique on a fielding play, they're going to be yelled at by a guy with a Chicago accent. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm going to hit a couple, two, three high ones to you. Use two hands. That was my Mike Young, that was my Mike Young impression. <laughs> That's okay. a pretty good Chicago accent. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Young has had a great career in baseball cricket. He coached the Queensland team to the Claxton Shield in 1982, which is the baseball equivalent of the Sheffield Shield. And he also coached the Australian national baseball team to a gold medal in the 1999 Intercontinental Cup. And in the video, he talked about John Buchanan recruiting him in 2001 for the Australian cricket team. But he uh, left that team in 2005 to return to Illinois and manage the Rockford Riverhawks of the Independent Frontier League. So he went back to Australia after the 2005 Ashes. Apparently, Australia had some uh, fielding problems in that one. I didn't see it, but maybe you remember it. Uh, So he's been with uh, Australia ever since uh, right after the 2005 Ashes. And he helped them win the 2006-2007 Ashes, the 2013-2014, and the 2017-2018, 2017-2018, and he was with him for the World Cups in 2007 and 2015. Wow. I, I think his his uh, greatest contribution to um, uh, world cricket fielding is the whole concept of a relay throw. Because, you know, in baseball, uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 the outfielder will, will throw the ball in but he's not expected to make it directly to the to the catcher or to the <laughs> to the bases, and somebody mm-hmm. will intercept it and then relay it further. And mm-hmm. uh, you you see that in cricket these days, where if a ball's going towards yeah. the boundary, you'll have two uh, fielders run, and one of them will flick it to the other guy, and then he'll throw it back. Um, right. And I and I believe that concept was originally. Uh, not in this, in the same version that we see today, but in some version introduced by Mike Young. Uh, and you know, Australia was miles ahead of work, uh, other teams in 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 terms of fielding. Um, and I believe Mike Young played a big role in that. Yeah, he's also the fielding coach for Kings Eleven Punjab. I don't, I didn't know that either. I was oh wow, I didn't know that yeah. either. Yeah, so Everyone's of, looking for an IPL gig these days. Yeah. So speaking of franchises, that's his franchise. So he, he wow. So uh, good luck in the Ashes, Mike. And you you might not, you didn't get to play in the Ashes, unfortunately, but someday maybe one of your grandkids will. <laughs> there you go. Because <laughs> so he lives in Australia now. Yep, so, yep. Um, so that's it. That's the show. And I want to uh, thank our guest, Gautam, for 
joining us. Fantastic conversation. Um, really glad to have you here. And uh, any last words you want to say, Goddamn? No, uh, Tim, thank you very much for having me. Um, you know, all, in all the years that I lived in America, my, my dream had been to uh, have a radio call-in show, uh, something that I don't think exists. And then I heard about you, and I think you run something like that. Am I, am I right when I say that? Uh, no, I don't uh, do anything with radio, but no, this, this, oh, this, well, this is it. This is it. Oh, yeah, sorry, <laughs> this is it, correct. Yeah. So, yeah. so, um, you know, it, it, what you're doing is great. Um, this, this is my first appearance on any platform. So, um, my thanks second. for having me. <laughs> there you go. This, this is going to be, I think this is going to be a great podcast and, um, I, uh, I look forward to talking to you in the future and, uh, go birds. <laughs> Bulls. <laughs> what about the Phillies and the, what about the Phillies and the Eagles? Yeah, no, no, I meant go birds as in the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, the birds, the birds. I'm yeah. sorry. I hear you. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll give you that one. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> I, I was sort of an Eagles fan at, at the time, too. So we'll give you that one. Okay, there you go. so. All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Over. Over.